On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you Lisa Bilyeu. Now, a little bit about Lisa. She is the founder and host of a podcast called Women of Impact. And this podcast is all about empowering women. She has so many phenomenal conversations there. I highly recommend, A, you subscribe to her podcast or go find her on on YouTube. She does put it out on YouTube. But the other thing I want you to know about her is not only is she a badass businesswoman who was the co-founder of Quest Nutrition, but she has come from a very difficult upbringing, turned her mindset around and created an extraordinary life for herself. And she wrote a book called Radical Confidence. And that is the topic I wanted to talk with her about is how do we create confidence in ourselves in a world that has is filled with so much uncertainty. And especially, I'm just going to be really transparent and honest here. I feel like as women, there are so many places that we show up feeling unconfident, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in the workplace. And Lisa has really become the master of stepping into her own brilliance and bringing that brilliant with that brilliance comes this insane confidence. You can feel it in her presence. And it was so fun because we did this interview in her studio and we just were instantly kindred souls. And what I wanted to pull out of her for you all is what do we need to do? What do we need to look at? How do we go from a place of feeling uncertain into a place of feeling incredibly certain? And she had some really important steps about everything from creating a mission statement for your life to learning how to build certainty, because certainty may not be something that you just wake up every morning with. There is actually a lifestyle to building certainty, to what do we do in those moments when maybe we had certainty, and all of a sudden, we start to doubt ourselves. This is going to be one of those episodes that you're going to want to come back to on the days that life seemed to got to to have gotten the best of you. This is going to be the episode you listen to before you go in um, and ask for a raise at work or one of those episodes that you refer back to when life just knocked you down. There are so many nuggets in this episode. And it it actually, I, even though I interviewed her, I know this will be a go-to episode for me because there was so much wisdom that just poured out of her. So I am so excited to share this with you. Think of this as beginning a conversation on certainty and confidence for you. Please check out her podcast and know that you are so much more powerful than the world may be giving you credit for. You are so much more powerful than perhaps people told you at at your younger years. And Lisa is going to show you exactly why. Get ready to step into your power with Lisa Bilyeu. Enjoy. Welcome to the Resetter Podcast. This podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again. If you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. 
Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. Okay, so I want to say welcome to my podcast, but here we are in your studio on my platform, and I'm just so excited to have you and to be having this discussion I'm with you. I'm so excited to uh, be here in your studio, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, being on your show, I'm thank so you. excited. Yeah, thank you. And I think the topic of what we're going to unpack over the next hour is not only critically important for women, but we've never talked about it on the Resetter podcast. And I feel like for women, confidence and saying you don't feel confident in your life is like that a cultural hush moment. Like we're too, it, it's like a sign of weakness to say we don't feel confident. It's even difficult for us to admit it to our own brain. So can we start off with the huge question that I have which is why are women feeling so unconfident? Oh, I think it stems from, at least I can speak for myself, mm -hmm. from childhood, from what I was taught, what mm. I was, you know, taught to believe. So when you're, you know, eight years old and you get a man pat you on the head and says little girls should um, should be seen and not heard, yep. um, makes you think, oh, so I have to be silent. Um, when you're told that you're going to be a mother and a stay-at-home wife and that's going to be your destiny and what if you don't want that? You're like, oh, was that, what's wrong with me? And so it's the belief system I think that we have and then our actions then dictate that. So as you get mm. into adulthood, 
adulthood. Now you haven't taken those chances because you're supposed to be seen and not heard. You haven't been bold because people have shunned you or told you to be quiet. And so then you act in accordance because you want to fit in. And in fitting in, in the temporary moment, you feel good. You feel good about mm. fitting in to the crowd or the, 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 the everyone around you. And so stepping out of that means you have to be bold. And so no one wants to be left out. No one wants to be put aside or ostracized. Right. And so you start to be molded into maybe a person that you wish you actually could break out of that shell, but you don't know how. And so I think that that's really where it stems from. So when I hear that, you know where my brain goes is like, Okay, well, then if we're going to change confidence for women, we need to start with the girls. Mm-hmm. We need to start with the younger, and we need to start with even how adults speak to younger yes. children, and yeah. girls specifically. So, because to what you just said, I bet so many women are like, yep, that was me. I, I, now, I grew up in the 70s where there was so many politically incorrect things going on here in LA in the 70s. I mean, it was it's it was girls do this, boys do this, you know, girls can't do this. Um, it, there was I was raised by a mom who was uh, it grew up in the 50s, which was a very kind of Puritan time of life. So those of us that are 50 and beyond, we're we're coming from that childhood. So if we look at why so many women are feeling unconfident, and, and somebody listening to this hears what you just said and said, yep, that was me. That was my childhood. But now I'm 50. Now I'm 60. And I have to figure out how to unwind that. Mm-hmm. How do we help that woman? How do we, when we realize that we, the messaging we've been given fucked our brain up mm-hmm. in our self-image, how do we begin to unwind it? I think it starts with what is it that you want confidence in? Because mm-hmm. confidence isn't an end goal. Right. It's like how much you talk Mm. about health. It's like, well, what if you're really hangry? It's like, you know, you're going to act out of alignment with who you want to be, but you Mm. still act out of alignment. So when it comes to confidence, instead of worrying about I want to be confident, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. What are you going to focus on? What's that thing? What is that North Star that you're trying to get to? Because confidence actually ends up being the byproduct of taking action. Oh, so if you say, for instance, I want I was just telling you this before. I went to a doctor. They told me that I had uh, PCOS. And then she looks at my chart and she's like, oh, but you don't want kids. Oh, you're fine then. Now, once upon a time, I would have just stayed silent. Mm. I would have taken that doctor's Mm. advice as fact and I wouldn't have said anything. But what I realized was what I wanted confidence is to to take my health seriously. Mm. I wanted to own my own outcome of where I was going with my health. And so once I realized in order to do that, I had to stand up for myself. I had to speak up when something didn't sound good. Now I I know where I'm trying to get to. And in over time, when I do these stepping stones, the next time the doctor says something doesn't quite align or dismisses you, Lisa, or the doctor, you know, isn't taking you seriously. What are you going to say? What are you going to say the next time? And once you learn that, once you practice it, over time, you become competent. Once you become competent, the confidence then comes. But what I was saying about the the hangry thing is sometimes you don't feel confident. And so even when you practice it, even when you have all the skill sets and the tools, there are going to be moments that you don't feel it. And it's okay Mm -hmm. because that will ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. They will depend on your hormones. It will depend on how you show up and what your goal is and how you're trying to get there. And so I think the first thing is identify what you're trying to get confidence in. Mm. And you know what I just heard in that 
is confidence is congruency mm-hmm, mm-hmm. W- with yourself. Yes. So it, uh, did you end up speaking up to that doctor? Yes. Yeah. I said, I said, I'm sorry, but just because I won't, don't want children doesn't mean that my body doesn't matter. Yep. And so I just got up and I walked out and I then tried to find another doctor. Like I just yeah. had to then find that next step because if I didn't have the confidence to do that, right. I wouldn't have then, I would have been like, oh, okay, I guess my body doesn't matter then. Right. So again, I, that was a gem and I want to make sure nobody loses what you just said. Every single time we are in a situation that we feel like we are either being gaslit or marginalized mm-hmm or not treated right, and we don't stand up for ourselves, in that moment, we are weakening our confidence in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Is that what I just heard? Absolutely. And so then it becomes, what steps are you going to take on that path to the confidence? Okay, so the next time the doctor goes to gaslight me, what am I going to say? Because when you don't feel confident, mm. it's easy to say, oh, just stand up for yourself. But when you're in it, yep. you don't know how to stand up for yourself. Yes. So I am such a like an advocate for like having scripts in certain situations because my emotions can take over. Mm. Right? I could feel badly about mm. myself and then I could feel the shame. I could feel, well, maybe the doctor does know more than me. Yep. It's like, no, in those moments when I'm about to go to a doctor, if they gaslight me, what am I going to say? Yep. And then that teaches you, okay, what am I going to say the next time? What am I going to do? And so I'm very action-oriented. I love that. Um, but I, write, I try to write my action steps before... I get into the situation because, again, when you don't feel confident, just telling someone to be confident in speaking up mm-hmm. won't help. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking in that is, especially with the holidays coming up and so many people get thrown into their family mm-hmm. units and there's all that kind of chaos, is if you can, what, what I'm hearing you say is know the situation you're going into if you know where you're going to be gaslit or marginalized, have a plan before you get in there mm-hmm. so that you can finally stand up for yourself. And when you do, I'm also wondering is when you come when you come out of that, there needs to be an honoring of yourself mm-hmm. as well as well of like, hey, I finally stood up to that situation. I finally stood up to that family member or that doctor or that person. And then realizing that that standing up for yourself added to your confidence. A thousand percent. And so what I would do in that family situation, I would just replay past experiences. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to dinner. I know my dad's going to say X, Y, and Z. I know my mom or whoever. And you just write it as a script. And you're like, what happened the last time that you felt like you had to be shut down, that someone stepped on you, that you were dismissed? Okay, Mm -hmm. write that script out. Mm -hmm. Now... Right next to it, what you would say and do differently. Mm. Because there's going to be so many nuances to the people that you talk to and how they respond. And then you have to be okay with them not appear, not then saying what you think they're going to say. Right. Because often right, you've got, you play something out in your head and you're like, all right, I'm going to stand up for myself. And then someone throws you a curveball and you're like, oh God, I don't know what to say yeah. or do. So I will have an action plan. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if my mom says this, I'm going to say this to her. If she then repeats it, I'm going to repeat this. And if she doesn't do that, I'm going to get up and you know, very kindly dismiss myself from the table. Like mm, actually get write out it out. Of the energy yeah. Of it. yeah. And if that even means, and I, I don't advocate for lying, Mindy, yes, I don't. Right. But the second it comes to my health and mm. my mindset, I actually would if I had to. Yeah. So the situation, let's say, people are being called to you at dinner or they're picking, like, oh, oh, look at you being all healthy over there, right? And it just, it upsets you, however you respond. What am I going to do in that situation? Lisa, if you don't have words to defend yourself, and I, maybe I don't want to create um, animosity at Christmas. Yeah. Okay, so if, if it starts to escalate, Lisa, what are you going to do? Yeah. I may say, 
my plan is I'm going to say, oh, my God, I've got a really upset stomach. Mm. I'm so sorry. I have to excuse myself. Mm. Or I just have to repeat. Whatever that excuse is that has to get you out of that room, mm. if that's what you have to do to preserve your mindset, to preserve that confidence that you're trying to build, do it. That, that brings up a really interesting thought, which is the environment that we put ourselves in is going to dictate our confidence. Mm-hmm. And if we put ourselves in toxic environments, and whether it is the family Christmas dinner or a work environment, and we can continue to go in there and not stand up for ourselves, then we continue to weaken our own confidence. So the environment is massively important, is what I heard in that. Yeah, the environment and then who you are around. Uh, Mm. uh, who's around you, I should say, because if you're, let's say, with, you know, like if it was me and you, right, and we were out in place, like both of me and you think very similarly about food, about health, about how, Mm -hmm. you know, lifestyle mindset. So now imagine it's me and you and then there's one other person there that doesn't have a positive mindset. I think me and you would be able to sound super freaking strong in our abilities. I know I would be able to. We'd we'd walk away. We would, yeah, exactly. And (laughs) we'd be like... See ya, yeah, we're out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But now imagine I'm I'm the only person with a growth mindset that wants to do better mm. and take my health seriously and build my confidence. And now I go to see my family mm. because your family especially brings you back to your childhood. They oh, still see you. So, oh, so I'm the much. youngest child. So yeah. you can imagine they're like, oh, little Lisa, what does she know? Oh, so much. And so in that environment, I may have to dress differently and what I mean is what are the clothes that I can wear to give me the confidence to walk Mm. into that room with my family I may need to use different vocabulary because if I say to my dad dad I wish you had a growth mindset because then you would understand you'd be like what the hell's a growth mindset so I'd have to adopt a different vocabulary to use to them versus somebody else Mm. that I'm working with that maybe has a growth mindset or knows what I do for a living so everything is um, context Mm. who are you around where are you and uh, um, how do you respond typically in those environments to not beat yourself up over it? Right. Because I definitely, with my family, I regress into being the younger child. Oh, oh yeah, me too. How, how many kids in your family? Um, I've got two older siblings okay. and then my dad remarried and had two other children. But I'm still seen as like the little, the youngest, little Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. I'm, so I'm the youngest too. Mm. And it is very, when we all get together, it's like everybody goes back into their roles. Mm-hmm. And it's so everybody in the family. I'm like, OK, wait, my parents are in their 80s. My sister's two years older than me. It's like, what? How are we back mm-hmm. in this situation? So it really that is really a thing. It's quite it's quite interesting how our, everybody plays the part. It's like yes. a movie you're walking yeah. back into Mm -hmm. so okay talk to me about body confidence because so many women that are listening to this podcast women that read fast like a girl and trying the trying the different strategies there what i see is that there's just we have such a lack of confidence when it comes to our body and it works both ways it's the woman who cannot lose weight She's tried every single diet and it's the woman who is extremely thin and everybody and is trying to gain weight and nobody understands her. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where we are. It seems like body confidence and being a woman are not going hand in hand. Oh, God, this is like this is such a big question um, and important to talk about. Really important. So I was brought up with a mom that was borderline anorexic. Mm. When I was in my teenage years, she swung hard the other way and became morbidly obese. So I just want to give context to Mm. what I saw growing up Mm. and the relationship between a person and a woman and food. Yeah. 
I also was teased for my looks, but I was very skinny. So、mm-hmm. I was praised for my body.、Mm. And then I got to 16 and developed. And then all of a sudden, I had the same people that saying, Oh my God, you're so lucky you're skinny. Then we're turning around and we're like, Oh, you better be careful. You're putting on weight.、Whoa. And growing up with a grandmother who feeds you a lot. Right,、yep. Greek grandmother, Greek Orthodox. Every time you go, they're like, Oh, why aren't you eating? Why aren't you eating? And then, How are you going to find a man if you don't eat? And then, as soon as you start getting big, they're like, How are you going to find a man if you're fat? And they would say those words. I don't use them, but that's how they would, to your face, Mindy. Wow. So, just to give context of then, not a surprise, I had body dysmorphia issues.、Yeah. I would look in the mirror and I would always criticize myself.、Yep. And what I realized was is that that mindset. Of dismissing your body, of not recognizing your body, of not appreciating your body, led to very bad health、um, outcomes. And that、yeah. was because I cut out fat, I cut out carbs.、Mm-hmm. I was like, I would need to be as skinny as possible because that's how I'm going to get accepted.、Mm. Now, what I found in my own life is once I started to focus on other things other than my body, my mindset, my business、mm-hmm. acumen, my how to be a beautiful wife, how to be an amazing sister, all of these other things started to then pivot. Where、mm. I was focusing on my mind,、uh, sorry, on my body, and then it allowed me to feel good in other areas.、Mm. Once I started to feel good in other areas, like building a business, like being an amazing wife, I started to lessen the focus of my、mm. body. Oh my gosh, that's, I, I call that going in the side door.、Mm. You go in through, to health from a different direction.、Mm-hmm. So, again, that was a, tr- a truth that I want to make sure nobody、uh, misses. You found confidence in other areas of your life. That you were able to bring back to your body. Yes, because once I started to realize, oh, I can build a business and actually bring value to people. I can create、yeah. a protein bar that actually saves lives. Like I had a,、um, an anorexic woman that reached out to us in the early days of Quest Nutrition,、mm. and she said, You've saved my life、mm. because I never thought I would be okay with calories. And you've、mm. created this bar has now made me okay、yeah. with calories, and I've been able to gain some weight. So when you really see things like that, where you can actually impact somebody from doing business,、right. I was like, well, how can I sit here and just be disgusted with my own body when I can actually achieve things that help people?、Right. So it's refocusing the、uh, way, refocusing where your attention goes. Yeah, And、that. my worst time in my life where I had uttered body dysmorphia was when I didn't have anything else in my life, I didn't have what we call、mm. purpose. Mm. I didn't have that word back then.、Mm. But every day, I didn't have a purpose. So every day I woke up, I went on the scale because my purpose was how much weight can I lose?、Mm. How skinny can I、that、get? Was it. Yep, that was- And then how long, yeah, how long can I run on the treadmill for? That was where I was getting my,、uh, my joy or my sadness or my、yep. frustration or my drive was all from how much do I weigh? How much can I lose on the、uh, run on the treadmill? And then how much little food can I eat?、Yeah. And so having these things as the distraction to the unhappiness that was my life、yeah. became a big wake up call. Once、yeah. I started with Quest and I realized, oh, my weight was a total distraction to how miserable I actually was by being a stay at home wife. Now, I don't judge people for being a stay at home wife. I no, think it's、right. beautiful.、Yeah. I just, it wasn't for me.、Yeah. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. And I didn't speak up to say that I was unhappy.、Yeah. And so every time you have unhappiness or something in your life, we distract ourselves with what I call the squirrels. Like, the, what? You know, the squirrels, like the dog the chases the squirrel. Yeah, yeah, I love so it. So it's like, it's a distraction. So I found that my distractions 
from my profound unhappiness of being a stay-at-home wife was my weight, was mm. looking at myself in the mirror, was criticizing my body because it gave me a purpose to get up yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So, okay, I want to unpack purpose mm. for a second, yeah, please. because when it, the women, many of the women listening to this are like in their late 40s, early mm. 50s, and their purpose is dramatically shifted. Mm -hmm. That is an age group where kids have grown up. Maybe some women are going back into careers. And I hear this a lot in my friend group. I hear it in our membership group where it's like they don't know what their purpose is. Mm. And it's kind of a big thing to figure out your purpose. Like, you don't just sit down one day and be like, okay, today's <laughs> yeah. task. I want to figure out what my purpose is. Yeah. How, how do you go about finding a purpose that lights you up so much that now you're focused on that and health just becomes part of a daily activity, but you're not so focused on your body mm -hmm. and, your, and, and the way you just explained it. Yeah, such a great question. And I think it comes from, you have to try a bunch of, can I swear on this podcast? Of course, okay. yeah. You have to try a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like, you just have to try a bunch. Because if you don't know what your purpose is, then you haven't encountered something that drives you so much that pulls, I call it, what pulls at your heartstrings. Yeah. And if you don't already know, it means you haven't tried the vast amount of things to then figure it out. Yeah. So in my um, life, once I started to realize, oh, I figured out shipping for this protein bar, but it was helping people save lives Oh, that feels really good. Yeah. But you couldn't have told me ahead of time that making a protein bar would actually be part of my purpose. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you have to try things mm -hmm. and then you just take inventory. Mm -hmm. So try 10 things. So yep. you can sit there and go, what are the things I've always been interested to do? Travel, start a business, mm -hmm. a volunteer, right? Like just write a list. And then every day, every day or once a week or once a month, try it. Yep. And say, so how do you feel when you tried it? Oh, and then, and like, oh, you, I'm almost thinking you could like rate yourself. Like, yes. on zero to 10. Like, yes. I tried this and did it light me up? Yes. And, and you're looking for like the thing that you did that just lit you up. Is yes. that a 10? Is that a one? Where is it? Try a bunch of different things and you're going to hit one that's close to a 10. Exactly. So once you found that, what yeah. I then call is that becomes like part of your mission, yeah. right? Purpose and mission kind of go together. Yeah. So that becomes your mission. But now how do you actually look at a mission and then I like to think in business terms, execute on that mission. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, I realized there's a, um, what's it called? A, uh, a method to figure out your mission. So it's your who, your what, and your why. Mm, yep. If you can figure out those three things, that align with the thing that you just tried that you really loved, now you can go all in and you can start working on your purpose. Yeah. So the who, what, the why. For me, it was to create content because I went to film school. I love content creation. Mm. So that's my what. The who, it's 14-year-old girls. Why? Because I felt badly about myself when I was 14. Ooh. So now I've come up with a mission statement because I think everyone should have a mission statement for themselves. Like we oh, do in a business. For company, for no, yourself. for yourself. What, do you mind sharing your no, mission No, not statement? at all. It's to create content that impacts 14-year-old girls so they can build confidence because I never had any. Oh, that was so good. And succinct that I can repeat it at yeah. any point. Because when I feel badly about myself, when I don't have the confidence, when my hormones are all over the place, when I feel like crap, when I've interacted with somebody that's made me feel badly about myself, what do I go back to? My freaking North Star. Yeah. I have to be so clear on my North Star. And so now, if you start succeeding, or if you start doing really well on your mission, you may have other opportunities. 
But sometimes other people have that problem. I don't know which way to go. There's so many amazing things to do. I don't know which way to choose. If you have a mission statement, you know exactly where. You know how. If it's not content, if it's not going to help 14-year-old girls, and if it doesn't, you know, and align with my why, I'm not going to do it. That is, you know, I of all the goal setting and all the business classes I've taken over the years, I've never thought of a personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. I have, I have my company yeah. mission statement, but I've never thought of like just my mission statement for me. And you know, in your mission statement, if I break it apart yeah, a bit, I, and and because again, I want I don't want people to miss the power of the subtleties mm-hmm. of some of the things you're saying is the the service aspect. Mm-hmm. And so your 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 mission is built around serving somebody you used to be. I yeah, heard this recently yeah. like the greatest joy will come when you go and help the person that you used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that that lights me up." But I think what happens to us in life and I think this is where it we weaken confidence now I'm now after chatting with you is that we think it's going to be the car. We think it's going to be the house. We think it's going to be the job title, the salary amount. We think it's going to be all of that. And then we get those things and we still feel really crummy inside. Mm -hmm. But if your North Star is, I want to serve a certain person or I want to serve humanity. Now, not only do you have supernatural energy, but you have supernatural confidence. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. It was actually, um, I think it's a Mother Teresa quote that said, not Mm. everybody will fight for the masses, but everyone will fight for the one. So who's the one that you wake up to fighting for every day? I wake up every day fighting for the 14-year-old Lisa. When we were doing Quest, I was fighting for my overweight mother that couldn't um, find happiness in food and in, you know, being able to enjoy her life. So because you're always going to face adversity, yep. no matter what you try. Yep. And so in those moments of adversity, who, do you, who are you going to think about? Right. Because yes. for me, for instance, with Quest, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, my husband was already a seasoned entrepreneur. His two business partners were already seasoned entrepreneurs. And here I was just, I'd been a housewife for eight years. I had zero business experience. So I'm showing up every day, very insecure. There were so many moments where Mm. I had to face myself. I had to face my insecurities. Mm. I had to face the things, my emotions that I didn't feel good enough. Mm. But what got me through was reminding myself, okay, Lisa, right now you can stop. It's very valid. Mm. You can stop because you don't know. Or you can fight for your mom. Oh, yeah. See, it's funny. You know, I I do this, and I never realized what I did Mm. until I'm listening to you now. I had a a patient, and I write about her in every single book. Her name was Lanny. Mm. And she showed up in my office at 40 years old, and she had just been uh, given a breast cancer diagnosis. uh, And no symptoms. Went into her for a routine mammogram, came out with a diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer, Three months after, you know, being told that she was having a mastectomy, she was in chemo, she was radiation. Mm -hmm. And ironically, she she shows up in my office waiting room there for me to help her daughter who has asthma. She's literally showed up because she wanted nutrition and detox advice for her daughter that had asthma. And I'm looking at her Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, wait, totally bald. And I'm like, but wait, what's going on with you? So long story short, what ended up happening is they gave her three months to live and we worked on her lifestyle and she turned it into 11 years. Wow. She lasted 11 years. And she is my fuel because, and this, she died 
about seven years ago. She's my fuel because what I'm trying to help is the woman who doesn't get breast cancer, the woman who, who's, so that she doesn't get that disease. So I really love this idea that you're either helping somebody that really tugged at your heart or you're helping a past version of yourself mm-hmm. that suffered. And I, then I, I forecast that and I think, well, what would that be like if every woman on the planet was showing up with this service heart, trying to give in that way, what would happen to woman's, a woman's confidence? As, as a culture, what would happen to our confidence? I think we would all have the confidence because, and also we wouldn't um, feel like if we didn't have the confidence that it dictated who we were as a person. Because again, mm. I think that if you don't have the confidence in certain area, you think, oh, well, I'm not as good as Mindy. Look how good she is. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you're diminishing yourself. Right. That's going to be detrimental to how you show up the next day. Right. But if you don't necessarily seek confidence, but you seek trying to improve, you seek trying to help that one person that maybe you've got in your mind, the confidence, like I said earlier, becomes a byproduct of everything that you've just done. Yeah. But for me, because I don't prioritize confidence as the end goal, I prioritize the goal itself. Mm. I then happen to have the confidence as a result. Yeah. But in those moments where... I have the insecurity where I don't feel good about myself, where I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting in this boardroom and here are these amazing guys who have been in business for so long. Yeah. And Lisa, you feel terrible about, about yourself. Okay, well, what's my priority? Okay, Lisa, just call yourself on it. You don't feel good, but you want to save your mum. Which one's more mm. important? Mm. Yes. Like, yes. actually, I call myself on it, Mindy. Yeah. Like, which one's more important? Yep. Feeling insecure and staying there or helping my mom? When yep. I am that blatant with myself, whether you call it ego, insecurity, whatever, yep. when I'm that blatant, I go, never, ever, ever does my ego ever come first over my mission. Yes. Because I just put it that blatantly. And then I move forward, even though I have the insecurity, and then as a result, I have the confidence. Uh, that's amazing. I, I've done a little similar trick in my brain when I get negativity or criticism mm. thrown at me. If it's enough, my br- I've trained my brain to go, oh, just you wait. Wait mm. till I show you what I'm really capable of doing. You don't, and you know it from being on social media. You're going to get all kinds of crazy things sent your way. And when, when there's days that a lot of craziness comes, I always just look and I go, just you wait. Wait till you mm-hmm. see what I can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful way to pull yourself out of that like um, self-deprecating moment that can come when criticism, whether you're seeing it on socials or you're seeing it at work or maybe a spouse is telling you, it's a beautiful way to have like a mantra that kind of pulls you in a different direction. Yeah. So talk a little bit. I think one of the things that I see with women that I'm that that and I would say if I'm really transparent, I might even wrestle with which is I don't want to be too confident that somebody thinks I'm cocky. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I also don't want to be too confident that I might make somebody else feel less confident. How do we rectify those situations? Because I think as women, we think, I don't think men think like that, personally. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I love this question. I've really, as you know, as I've said, have been really been working on my confidence and just like how do I really go towards my goals and feel good about myself as a result. And I'm really proud of how far I've come, really mm-hmm. proud. And a few years ago, I went on a trip with another female friend. And it was our first trip that we've ever been on. And I show up and we're like, oh, what do you want to do? And I'm fed up of just being like, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like, just act 
actually so say what you want to do yeah. and then find a beautiful medium. And yeah. so like if we if we went on vacation, you said you wanted to do something, like I'd be like, oh no, I'm not really in the mood. You know what? Why don't you go do it? Mm-hmm. I'll go do my thing and then we'll just meet up. And in that interaction, over time, like on the second day, she like uh, got triggered and I didn't realize it. And she turned to me and she's like, you're really intimidating. And I was like, what? I was shocked. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you just say what you want. And, you know, if I feel like I have to do it. And I was like, oh, no. I, and so I was like, let's talk about it. Me saying what I want doesn't mean that I'm diminishing what you want. Mm. Me saying what I want is hoping to give you the power to then say what you want oh. so that we can then either come to a compromise or we just go our separate ways and then we join each other at the, in the evening. Wow. But I don't want to diminish me saying what I want to make you comfortable. Yes. So let's talk about it. Maybe I'm using language that's triggering you. What's the language that I'm using? And so I'm just very open, especially when it's with a friend, to just discuss the, like, let's put it all on the table. Yeah. Like, why am I triggering you? What have I said? And then maybe I need to look at how my language that I used. Mm. And maybe I was being arrogant in this moment. Okay, well, next time I'm going to do better. Yeah. I'm not perfect. Yeah. And so I try to go in to be confident with myself not diminish another woman because i think that's where the cockiness comes mm-hmm. where people feel like you're trying to, you're mm. diminishing them in order to get confidence right but i'm not i'm just trying to be myself yes. in my own confidence i'm trying to be respectful for the other person and then accept that absolutely your confidence may trigger somebody else and that isn't on you but what is on you is to assess whether their assessment of you is correct or not yep. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org. And you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Do you know, I, I had a situation recently. I was in, um, in Ibiza with a bunch of women uh, for a menopause retreat. I was uh, hosting or leading. In Ibiza, in nice. a, Yeah, I know, right? Thank you. Yeah. It was really nice. And anyways, I, there was a, this group of women. They were so beautiful. And every, every woman in there was massively successful. And it was so collaborative and wonderful. 
one day this woman came up to me. We were doing all these hikes, and she said, I have to be really transparent with you. And she was like, I didn't like you. When, when we first got here two days ago, I didn't like you. And I was like, I'd never had a woman come up to me and say that so boldly. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, can you tell me why? Like, and she goes, no, it has nothing to do with you. I just realized that when you shared your mission for women, it triggered in me that I wasn't doing enough. And so I projected that onto you as it was something I didn't like about you. But when I sat with it for 24 hours, I realized it was actually more to do with me. Mm. And I just want to say thank you to you because me not liking you two days ago actually helped me understand what I needed to work on and how I could improve. Mm. And I was like, that is the most beautiful interaction with another woman that I've ever had in just full transparency. Mm. But when we look culturally at how women interact together, we don't interact like that. Mm-hmm. We do exactly what you said, where we we hold stuff to ourselves and then maybe we'll go bitch about it with other women. We'll be like, oh, my God, do you remember last night when we were out and so and so said such and such? So we don't even go right to the person and try to address it. And we don't seem to have a self-awareness that when something bothers us, that is our button that was pushed, just like this beautiful woman that came to me and said it was my her button. And then it, it, I mean, I felt so bonded to that woman by the time we left because of her vulnerability to do that. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the at our female friendships and how we show up, is there a way that we can support each other so collectively we can start to raise each other's confidence. I think the truth is, while I love to want to change other people, they have to want it for themselves. Mm, yeah, you're too good. And, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could get it. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and so if they want it and they have a growth mindset, then you can talk mm. through things. But I think you have to be willing and open to see that and hear the message and then work inwards about what is the thing that's triggering you. And so because I was close friends with this girl that I went on a trip with and she knew who I was, I was able to just be very honest and say, look, if it was me, let's look at that. What language did I use? But I'm, I will never, and this is part of my own growth, I won't apologize if I don't actually mean it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I've hurt my friend's feelings, yeah, I, that wasn't intentional at all. So if I hurt your feeling, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. But yeah. let's actually talk through this. So I think it's important to know if they're willing to or not, first of all. Yeah. And then if they are, greet them where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, know that Love everybody's going to have, yeah. yeah, everyone's going to have like different um, levels that there are in their growth. And so if you had met me eight years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say this. I may have been triggered by you because you're very confident. You, you know, you're, you're very loud and I love it. You know, <laughs> I am but, very loud. But that but may have confident. made me like maybe go inwards. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, she's very confident. Now, why? Yeah. Because as when I was younger, I was bullied by girls, not by boys. Uh, me too. A lot of, and and, uh, let's stop on this because this is too important. A lot of women were bullied by other women. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. If we go to that 14 year old girl you're trying to help, why do we do that? And, and, and if we're not aware of it, we continue it through our adult life. Mm -hmm. And, and one of my major messages to women has been, we need to collaborate, not compete. And yet I don't know if we know what that looks like. Many women don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I didn't know what that looked like. And for the longest time, I had great. I had one very close female friend and we were both teased. So we kind of like bonded together over yeah, being bullied bonded. at school. Yeah, yeah, trauma bonded. Yeah. Um, and 
And then a lot of my friends were boys because they didn't have that same behavior. They weren't really backstabbing mm. me like, you know, a lot of girls had backstabbed me. Yeah. I thought someone was my friend and, she, you know, she had did this whole setup where um, her and the popular boy in school that I fancied, he came up to me one day and he's like, we had this school trip and I was about 11 years old and he was like, we're going on this trip and there's a dance. I want you to be my first dance. And I was like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> this is like, like, he can't believe that he wants me. And it was all a setup. We get there and I walk in and he's dancing with the, the girl that's supposed to be my friend and she's the popular girl. And I found out after there was all a setup, they just wanted to embarrass me. Oh. And so that story, I'm 44 years old. So imagine mm. at 11, that story, how much that stuck with me. So I had the idea that women weren't to be trusted, that women are only willing to step on you to get ahead. Mm. And when I turned probably in my 20s, I was like, but I love women. Right. Like, Me too. Right. And I was so, I was like, you know, I just need to be me. And if mm. women reject you, Lisa, then you have to be okay with yeah. being rejected. And so that allowed me to say, what would, I, how do I show up to have the friends I really want? Right. And that then becomes, you know, you, you, you end up calling the friends that are like you. That's right. And so you, you end up surround, yeah, yeah, you do attract them. But I think it takes the boldness to just say, I'm going to be me. And yep. what does me look like? Me looks like being the person that calls friends homies. Yep. Me looks like being the person that when I've met you for the first time, I'm going to cu- come in for a big hug. Yep. And if you don't want a hug and you turn your nose up, then you're not my peeps. <laughs> oh my God, are you talking about you or me? Because, <laughs> because I feel like that's all. I have a whole thing about hugs, by the way. Uh, you can't come back from a hug. Once you like go in on a hug, there's no like, you can't be like, pull your hand back. Like you're in. So you're either going all the way in, you can kind of pat, but... Yeah. Yes. yes, so true. Yes. I love that. What What do you think it means and to be a good friend to another woman? Oh, I think it. That is a great question. To not judge them. To be available when they need you, but I think that I with my friends is always I have language rolled around that because mm. I run a business. Um, I'm very very busy. But all of my friends know that if they need me, text me the word, it's important. Ooh. I will drop everything. If wow. I got a text right now as I'm sitting with you and one of my friends texts me, hey, Lisa, do you have a second? It's important. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I've got to go. Awesome. So yeah. having language that, um, that my friends can um, reach me whenever mm. they need to. Um, and then absolute transparency. And mm. so that means, for instance, one of my closest friends, that friend that I told you, the trauma bond friend, mm. she asked me to be a godmother to her child. Oh, wow. It's a big responsibility. Yeah, that's huge. And I and said, what an honor. And I said, this is such an honor. Yeah. But let me tell you who I am. Mm. And let's make sure that you know what you're getting into. Mm. I'm not the person that calls all the time. Mm. I'm not the person. I, I forget people's birthdays. Mm-hmm. I, and I just laid out, like, I know you've known me for 25 years. But as a godmother, my personality, my character isn't going to change. Mm. Yes. And that doesn't mean that I don't love you. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to drop everything if you need me. Yes. And she turned around. She's like, of course I know who you are. I don't expect you to, you know, and even now I forget their birthdays, but I don't feel guilty. Why? Because she knew what she was getting into. And she mm. knows that I'm not the type of person that shows my love by making sure that I call you on your birthday. I show you how much I love you by the willingness to absolutely drop everything if you need mm. me. That if you literally need to call me and you want five hours on a call, because you need someone to talk to, I'm there. That's amazing. If your son actually needs his godmother, I'm there. I'm getting on the next freaking plane. Yeah. 
but I won't remember a birthday, right? right? So just like laying it all out on the type of person yeah. that you are, and then you end up attracting. Also, the last thing I will say is I'm not the person that needs to talk to you every two minutes or needs you to contact me for three months. No. If I text you and I'm like, hey, Minnie, just thinking about you, you do not have to text me back. Mm. I do not want you to feel guilty. Why? Mm. Because we women have so much guilt yeah. that we carry that I don't want that. So yes. I'm not going to make my friend feel guilty. Yes. So I've... Um, Mel Robbins. I love Mel so much. And I'm just like, I'll text her. And she was like, I'm so sorry, Lisa, I haven't texted you back. I was like, never apologize. Yeah. And I would text her once a month and just like, just thinking of you, love you. That's yeah. it. You know, the, the apologizing is a really interesting thing that we do as women. And as I've, I'm just going to say, as I've gotten wiser and have made better choices of the women that I'm close to, every single one of them say to me all the time, because I, even I will slip into it and be like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't call you. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And they're like, stop, stop. You don't need to be sorry. And I realize I have such, I have a, such a core group of women right now that say that to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. Thank you for reminding me. I have to unwind that habit. We do that as women all the time. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the second thing we do a lot is when somebody gives us a compliment, we dismiss it. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, like when somebody says, oh, you look really good today. You're like, oh, this whole thing. Like mm -hmm. it just, it, you know, I just happen to throw it. Like we totally dismiss it. So what does it look like, especially on the compliment front, especially when we're looking at confidence, not cocky? If somebody comes up to you and says, you look amazing today, what would be like a really authentically confident response? I know it would probably be different for everybody, but if we don't want to dismiss it, how can we own it and let it soak in? I love this question. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's all you do. That's, and it has to be a habit, right? We all yeah. know, right? When, you, you know, you talk about like health habits and, you know, uh, just like automatically going for the snacks. And it's like, how do it's a habit. So give yourself grace that you have a habit right now. Yeah. So what do you have to do to change that habit? You have to have an alternative solution that when it comes up, you have to, you know, you'll have to like practice. So I would say as simple as thank you so much. That's thank so kind so much. of you. Yeah. And then to be honest, I love giving compliments back. So, uh, yeah, so I would just like give a compliment back. But the, um, the apologizing thing. Um, so the compliments, A, I think it's just simple as next time someone compliments you, I, I literally challenge everyone listening right now or watching. That's your response. Agreed. Thank you so much. Agreed. And then the apologizing thing, the thing that I think is really doing damage to us is that we often we'll apologize when it comes to self-care. Taking oh. time for ourselves. Ooh, talk more about that. So I, my health just... To give people who may not know, for the last seven years, I've been really battling with massive gut issues. Mm -hmm. About seven years ago now, it felt like my gut erupted. I can go into the story of why, but it just, it did. And I was completely depleted. Mm -hmm. I was 20 pounds lighter than I am now. My hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. And I didn't have self-esteem. I didn't have the, what I thought was confidence. I didn't have the energy. And so I had to start prioritizing my health. Mm -hmm. But I had the mindset of, oh, your health's the last thing. Your self-care's the last thing. Yeah. Lisa, serve everybody else. Yeah. Build quest. Be there for your husband. Be a great daughter. But don't, don't take time for yourself. So once I had hit rock bottom, I realized I had to start prioritizing it. Mm. So that meant I had to put things in place that allowed me to prioritize it. Mm. So first of all, it was I like to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's having a party... And it's obviously not their birthday because I would try and go to someone's birthday. But even then, if I felt depleted, 
the main immediate thing we would do is like, I'm so sorry I can't come. Right. But what's that actually doing to our psyche? It's telling your body and it's telling yourself that somebody else is prioritizing, oh, sorry, somebody else's priority over your self-care just by apologizing. That's what oh. you're training yourself oh. to think. Okay, so what would you say instead? I would say, um, I really hope you have a wonderful time. I'm not going to be able to come, but I really hope you have a wonderful time. So this is exactly what I'm trying to get everybody to do, all the women to do in the nurture phase, like we talked about mm-hmm. on your podcast, is that I believe in these moments, and that was just an example of like where you weren't feeling good and you were prioritizing your health, but what if we created a culture where women did this the week before their period. And, yes. and like, again, it was like, oh, I'm, this is why he called it the nurture phase. I was like, I had this vision of like women going, not tonight, I'm in the nurture phase. Yeah. And all other women would know. And what that would mean is she was nurturing herself. And instead, what do we, again, what do we do as women when we're like, oh, do you want to come out, out with us tonight? And you're like, no, I don't want to go out. We're, then all of a sudden women are like, yeah, come, come, oh, come on. on. Yeah. Why? You should. Yeah. But like when you actually break it down that it perhaps it's self-care for that person and maybe they're doing something so important for their emotional and physical health that's going to make them, an, you know, an even better human mm-hmm. a couple of days later, like you start looking at it completely different. A thousand percent. And I love having that language around it. Yeah. Um, But I think also it's about putting the boundaries. Yeah. And so where are you letting people step on your self-care? Because it is your responsibility to take care of yourself. That's right. And so for me, I realized, oh, okay, I stopped drawing. So I love drawing. Yeah, I saw your drawings. They're gorgeous. Thank you. So I love doing it. I'd stopped for 10 years because I was building a business and I was showing up for everybody else from, except for myself. So in my repairing of my gut, I started to look at what all the self-care things that I love doing that I stopped doing. Mm. And then how do I start implementing it into my lifestyle and then creating boundaries around it? So I decided every Saturday morning and every Sunday morning, I'm going to draw. Now, the problem is, I'm sure you have it in today's society. You get texts, you get calls, oh, yeah. you get, and yeah. then you get the habit formation of picking up your phone. Yep. So I said, okay, I'm just going to switch my phone off. Now, mm. what I did is I told the people around me. I said to my team, to my family, to my mum, to my dad, to my brothers, my sisters. I said, just so you know, from now on, my phone's going to be off Saturday and Sundays. So you won't be able to reach me. And then, of course, you get like, oh, but what if we need to? What if? And it's like, okay, let's, let's walk through these scenarios. Yeah. You live in England. <laughs> if you need me emergency, it's going to take me like 24 hours to get there. Oh, good so point. So I can't like get there immediately. Second of all, call Tom. Right. Text Tom. There you and go. then as I start to tell my team, you're not going to be able to reach me on the weekends. People started, yeah, but what if there's an emergency and we don't have Tom's number? If you don't have Tom's number, then you're not close enough to me to warrant me mm. disturbing my self-care time. Woo! That was so good! Now you can tell I've practiced that line. Yes, yes. I've yes. practiced it yes. because I didn't have the confidence to yes. say it. So I wrote that down. What are you going to say, Lisa, the next time someone says this? Okay, I'm going to say this. And I just repeated it. And I repeated it. And I repeated it to the point where now people respect it so much because I wasn't wavering. My mm. phone was off. And I wasn't wavering. Mm. So what ended up happening was because I wasn't wavering on it, people now respect it. And now if I text someone on a Saturday, they'd be like, Lisa, what the hell are you doing? Why aren't you drawing? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. 
Um, what do you think the self-care piece? I want to unpack that mm. for a moment because women don't give themselves enough self-care. And I'll tell you, I just went to Europe for three weeks and knowing that I, and I was every day, it was working every day. Mm. I was in interviews, speaking at conferences. I mean, it was a, a full on three week experience. And so going into it, I was like, I got to be mentally and healthy, really balanced. I'm not going into three weeks already depleted. Mm-hmm. So I, I amped up my self-care. And one at the end of one week, I was like, yeah, I think I did 15 hours of self-care this week. And when I calculated that up, I was like, wow, like I'm really proud of myself. Like I prioritized 15 hours mm-hmm. of self-care this week. Look at that. And it made me feel almost as good knowing that I'd committed to myself Mm. that many hours in a week than the actual action of doing it. Yes. Again, what we do as women is we put everybody else's needs first and we we don't prioritize self-care. We don't take care of ourselves, oftentimes because we think if everybody else is happy, I'll be happy. And we don't realize that year by year by year, confidence is starting to go down. Mm-hmm. Our health is starting to go down and life takes a dramatic change that way. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about self-care. Like, and and you, uh, you, know, you might have a bigger vision than what I have on that, but is that a necessary ingredient to confidence? Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Because going back to the silly uh, example I gave the other t- uh, earlier was you get hangry just if you don't eat. So now imagine you don't take care of your body. You don't take care of your mind. Yep. How are you going to show up every day? Yep. Of course you're going to be grumpy, depleted, tired, annoyed, triggered, unhappy. Like there's just so many things that lead to it. So because I had, my health had crashed, I realized for months and months and months, I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel like I'm a great wife. Mm. I, don't eat, I can't even cuddle because my gut was so inflamed I couldn't stand up for five minutes at a time and so when I had the mission and I couldn't execute in my mission Mm. I was like oh well you can't serve your mum or the 14 year old girl in you Lisa if you can't stand up for longer than five minutes at a time so step one how do you take care of yourself enough so you can stand up for five minutes at a time and I realized that I'm very um, I've trained myself to be good at building a business and reaching goals. So what if I looked at this as a goal? What would it take for me mm. to reach that? Okay, it would take for me to spend two hours a week doing X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. What do those two hours look like? Do you split them up 30 minutes every day? Do you do two hours all at once? Do you put it in your schedule? Do you tell... Like, I just... Because I... I naturally, like what you were saying, we want to take care of everybody else. I naturally want to take care of everybody Mm -hmm. else. But I realized it didn't help. Mm -hmm. It didn't serve me because now I couldn't take care of people because I couldn't stand up. So how do I actually implement it as a strategy into my life? What does that look like? What am I going to do in those 30 minute increments? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do in those two hours? And then telling the people around you to then actually be able to do it. So I go to, okay, what are the things that I'm struggling with? Is it my hormones? Mm -hmm. Is it um, you know, my mindset. Okay, well, if it's my mindset, how do I take a deep breath? Mm. Do I listen? To, I tried meditation. I freaking hated it. I hated Hard. meditation. Everyone was like, you need to meditate. <laughs> and I then felt badly about mm. myself because I couldn't meditate. Yeah. Because I felt, because I wasn't doing it like a good job. And so I was like, okay, Lisa, you know what? What is the thing you love? Everyone's telling you to do meditation, but if yeah. you don't enjoy it, try something else. Yes. So what am I going to try that I feel good about Every day. 
Okay, you know what? I hate running on a treadmill, but let me try lifting weights. I love lifting weights, right? And so now your self-care, you try a bunch of things, you schedule it out and then you show up for yourself and that becomes that repetitive loop that you said you were going to do something, you then did it and then you feel better and that helps build your confidence. Yes, yes. Um, That's like a, a strategic way of doing it. But the last thing I'll say is you have to remind yourself of why you're doing it. Yeah. And I interviewed someone called Lisa Nichols. Oh, I love Lisa. I love Lisa Nichols. And she gave the analogy, because I'm such a visual person, so I want everyone to picture. We always talk about, like, we feel like we're on empty, right? Mm -hmm. We've just given to other people, and now we're on empty. So think of an empty cup. How can you actually keep feeding yourself on an empty cup? You can't. Mm -mm. But what if you kept pouring into your cup, and you poured into your cup so much that there was an overflow? That overflow goes into the saucer, Mm. and now you feed people from the saucer, Mm -hmm. not from your cup. I love that. That, that is brilliant. What I heard in, in the last thing you said was that the reason, the ways that you have succeeded in business, you've used those strategies and applied them to succeeding as a human in not only your health, which I know you're continually working on, but your confidence and who you are and your self-awareness. But you had a strategy yeah. for it, just like you had a business strategy and a formula there. Mm-hmm. You just brought it into your own personal life. Yeah, because... I acknowledge who I am naturally. Who yeah. I am naturally is someone that can get emotional, that can be driven by other people's wants. I want to make other people happy. So, like, I'm naturally driven towards that. Well, yeah. how has it worked for me? Right. You know, right. and again, I just call myself on. It's like, well, how has that worked for you, Lisa? Yeah. Not very well. Right. Okay, well, if it hasn't worked for you very well, how do you change? How do you pivot? Yeah. And once you really identify what that goal is, yeah. how you get there, Yep. then all of my natural inclinations are actually overridden by my goals and my desires and then my, you know, as a result, my self-care. Yeah. And again, I just want to point out like what women do is like we have a, we have a plan for the family, we have a plan for our careers, mm-hmm. and then we put ourselves last and we don't have a plan for ourselves. And then that starts to suffer and then our confidence suffers there and then that bleeds into our relationships and into our, you know, into our, our careers. And we don't realize that we forgot to create a plan of, of not just confidence for ourselves, but self-care and focus and a mission statement and all of that matters. Mm-hmm. They're not just fun little things. They actually, if you do it right, you'll actually amplify the confidence in all areas. A thousand percent. Yeah. So like sleep. If you want to mm. show up confident, get sleep. Yep. If you want to show up confident, eat well. Yep. Because let me tell you, I can do, if I did three days, let's say around Thanksgiving, where I've eaten really bad food, I've woken up really mm. late, I've gone to bed late, I don't work out. By the fourth day, I feel terrible. Yep. I don't feel confident. Yes. I don't feel like I can go and crush it. Yeah. So once I realized, oh, all of this matters, yep. if I want to build my confidence, it isn't just about doing the things we spoke about earlier, right? We're like showing up. It's how do you show up? Right. Look yeah. at all the things that you're doing so. in your life. And then how do you optimize all of those things to the best of your ability so that you can then build your confidence along the way? Yeah, so good. Speak to the woman who is maybe had confidence and confidence was taken away. And I see this a lot. I'm 54 and I see it a lot in my time of life where, you know, a woman was a great mom and the kids grew up or a woman had an amazing marriage and then they got divorced 
Or, you know, menopause, a woman was in great shape and now she's put on weight. And it feels like these life changes kind of swipe us, like sideswipe us. Mm -hmm. And before we know it, all of a sudden we're lacking confidence in an area that we actually used to have confidence in. Is there a way to crawl yourself out of a hole when that happens or when a dramatic shift in life, sometimes it's going to happen with like the loss of a loved one, where it just rocks our world and now we're trying to start over again? Yeah, God. Such a beautiful question. I think number one is you have to give yourself grace. Yeah. Like I always start there with anything I do because yeah. I'm always naturally going to beat myself up over things. What does giving yourself grace look like? I just, I just. Oh need no, to know. please, yeah, me I love personally. This. Yeah. So let's say um, it. You've just exited a toxic relationship, and you feel really just depleted. You maybe have seen the signs, but you ignored them, and so now you're beating yourself up over the fact that how did I get forward? How did I not speak up earlier? Like you're mm. just beating yourself up, and you just need to say to yourself, "Be where you are right now. Feel the mm. feels. It's okay if you want to feel the shame. Feel the shame. If you want to feel the guilt, feel the guilt. Mm. Don't shame yourself for feeling the shame. Don't yeah. shame yourself for feeling the guilt. Just be in that moment yep. and say, "I'm human. I'm just like everybody else. Yep. I've gone through something shitty." Yeah. And it's okay to be right here, right now on my knees. Beautiful. It's okay. Beautiful. But don't freaking stay there. Yes. Give yourself a time. Like I actually will give myself a how long how long, Lisa, do you feel like you need to sit right now and listen to Celine Dion and cry? <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Do you put sad music on when you're not feeling good and cry? So here's the thing. I do for a temporary time. Me too. That's why I want to ask yes, you. Yes, but there's that, that 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 timeline between it's now helping you or it's keeping you stuck. Right. Which is why I give myself the timeline. So it's like, put on the sad music, cry. How much what time should, do you give yeah, yourself? It all depends on what's happened. Oh, okay. So if it's something that's, I've been in a relationship for four years. Well, shit, only giving yourself a date isn't going to be enough. Yeah. But if it's like, I just had this argument with somebody and they made me feel shitty about myself. Okay, Lisa, to be honest, freaking get over it. Yeah. Like, I'll just like in that moment. So again, it's yeah. like, how much, how much grace do I give myself? What do I do in myself during that period of grace? And then what am I going to do to get back up? Amazing. So having almost like an action plan of yeah. how to get back up. So I'll just say, okay, right now, you know what? Like my, my dog dying. It was heartbreaking. I don't have children. He mm. was 17 and a oh, half years oh. old and it wrecked me. Sorry. And it was right when I was launching my book. Ugh. And I just said, you know what, Lisa? You cannot crush your book. You cannot, you know, help women feel confident when you're heartbroken right now. Yep. So I just canceled all the interviews I'd booked for my book. Wow. I just canceled them for that week. And wow. I said, you know what? I know myself. I need a week. I need a week to eat whatever the hell I like, to not work out if I don't want to, to cry, mm. to not take any meetings, to just bawl ugly cries. And then after that week, what are you going to do, Lisa? Okay, after that week on the Monday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out. Why? Because I know I love to work out. Mm. I'm going to get up and I'm going to take that first meeting just one meeting in that first day mm. and then the second day I'm going to take two meetings mm. and I'm going to you know work out harder like what is that action plan that allows you then to go back into it mm. but it all starts with giving yourself the time and the grace to feel the feels yep and then staying true that once that time is up you then do shift out of it wow wow I I love that because I grew up in in what I call the lemonade family. Oh, what's that? 
They are, if you saw my, my parents are in there. My dad's 87. My mom's 84. Mm. And they are like, when anything bad happens, they're like, oh, that was horrible. But look at all this good that came oh, out of yeah. it. And so there was never room mm. to feel sadness. There was never room because anything horrible that happened to you had a positive spin, which is a beautiful, I mean, a lot of people didn't grow up in that family. So I call them the lemonade family. <laughs> so it was that. like, everything was just turned into lemonade. But I can tell you where I sit now and just so many life changes that have happened to me in the last couple of years, there's been grief, there's been sadness, there's been moments even in how amazing Fast Like a Girl is done and, and the, the message getting out there where I'm just, I don't, I feel like I want to sit in bed and do nothing. Mm. And so I've been learning to give myself permission to do that. But what's interesting is people around me are like, what's going on with you? What's wrong? Mm. Like they're used to lemonade version of Mindy and they're not used to sad version where I'm like, and, and taking, being more introverted. They're used to extroverted Mindy. So if you're in that moment, is there a way to express it to those people around you that this is actually really good I need to go here. I'll be back in a week. I'll be back. And maybe you just say it exactly like that. But how do we, when we start to embrace that, that grace we need to give each other or give ourselves and give time, how do we tell everybody else to back off while mm. I'm giving myself grace? I love this. I think it depends on how, uh, who it is and how close you are to them. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if it was someone, my sister's my best friend. Mm. So if it's my sister, she just knows how I like it. Like, mm. so when I am sad, I don't like to talk to people. Yeah. She loves to, like, when she's sad, the first thing she wants is for you to call her. Yeah. So it's about that communication. It's about the people around you. How do you communicate of how you're going to act when X, Y, and Z happens? Yeah. And so for my husband, when I'm angry, like, I don't want to cuddle. Mm. And so he just knows, okay, when she's angry, don't cuddle her. Yeah. Okay, you know, so like having that communication yeah. and then saying, this is what I need from you. Yeah. When this happens, I will say this word to you. And when I say this word to you, I need you to do this. And so whatever word you want, like you create a word that's meaningful to you and then you have this vocabulary because when you're sad, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm just not feeling great. Right. Like, you, you don't well, listen. and then we, then we, excuse, we make excuses yes, for ourselves. Yes. Oh, I'm not really feeling, but uh, like, well, I want us to own our feelings. Mm -hmm. So, okay, keep going. But uh, you, you, you so when there's so it. people that's close to you, yeah. you can have that communication. But I'm not going to pretend that everyone's going to respect it or get it yeah. if you don't have a growth mindset. So sometimes I'd be like, just don't answer the phone. Yeah. Like if I'm in that moment where I'm sad and I know that this person isn't going to get me right now, yeah. I'm just going to not answer the phone. Yeah. And if it's someone at work that maybe I have to show up, I don't think they need to know. Right. So yeah. almost having that like, or do I have to put on a face? Or to be honest, I'll say, I'm not feeling, I'm, not, I'm feeling a bit under the weather. Right, yeah, right. right. Like, if I have to say that yeah. in order to protect my space so that I can show up next time mm. because I'm not comfortable being honest with this person for whatever reason, again, I don't advocate lying, but sometimes you have to to protect yourself. Yeah. And so in that moment, if I have like multiple business meetings and I'm really, I'm crushed to my core and I don't have any words to express it, I'm just be like, oh, I don't feel great. Hmm. And you just go. And, and I just go. go. And yeah. again, like, I don't think everyone has to know the truth, mm -hmm. but if you can possibly express it, I think it's great. Yeah. But you're not going to feel great in that moment. And what you don't want to do is 
dismiss the feeling and be like, oh, but I can't show up sad, so I'm just going to pretend that I'm not right. sad. And now you've dismissed yeah. it altogether because that will come around. Yes. It will come around. Do you think when you're not giving yourself grace and honoring those moments that you have to grieve or go into the sadness or go into the sorrow, whatever's going on, if you don't take that, that it actually long-term will wreck your Yeah, I do. I do think so. I think it will eventually show up in other ways that then, um, yeah, you're not going to be able to build that true confidence because there's going to be a part of you that's almost keeping it a secret. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, what is it like? The biggest lies we can tell the lies we tell ourselves. Yeah. And so if you're telling yourself, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you going to be confident if you're dismissing yourself and telling yourself that this thing that really happened to you that does mm. matter, and you, but you're telling yourself it doesn't? So you're actually telling yourself that you, to yourself that you do not matter. I think that exactly. I think that's what you do. That's, that's crazy. Again, coming from the lemonade family mm. that just like everything that bad, I dust myself mm-hmm. off and I go. And I, I'm realizing in the last couple of years as I've really sat in some troubling thoughts and moments that I pop out of it eventually, but that I'm, it doesn't stick on me and I don't keep carrying it forward. Mm. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you're saying the lemonade family, I think a lot of us women also, maybe not even just women, but gratitude. Let's oh, talk about gratitude, gratitude yeah. and toxic gratitude. Ooh, please. What's so toxic gratitude? Is that you use it to dismiss how you feel. So in that moment where let's say you're really sad and something really bad has happened, you're like, well, it doesn't matter because look at all this amazing thing that's happening. Yes. So when I was a stay at home wife for eight years, I was profoundly unhappy. And every time that voice in my head that was saying, Lisa, you're not happy. You need to speak up. You need to tell your husband you're not happy. I would use gratitude to distract myself. I'd be like, but, but I have a husband that loves me. Yeah. I have a roof over my head. So for eight years, I was dismissing my unhappy. I was, I was dismissing myself and my happiness because mm. I was using gratitude as a way to smother it. Okay, so so what, I, yeah. so what I had to realize that I was doing is gratitude can be beautiful when you want to see the beauty in life. But gratitude can also become toxic because it's holding you back from the thing that you actually want to achieve or from happiness because Mm. you're using it to dismiss it. So, again, Mm. it's like saying, um, uh, oh, my God, my dog just just died. But, Lisa, you have a family that love you. Yes. Yeah. That's I'm grateful for my family. Yeah. Yes. But now I'm dismissing the fact that I'm truly freaking sad over the fact that my dog has passed away. And so I can't feel the sadness if I'm trying to distract distract myself with gratitude in other areas of my life. I think it can become really toxic in holding you back from being honest about how you're actually feeling. Oh, that's so good. And toxic gratitude is is rampant. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just I was actually just talking with my assistant today about a a really uh, deep experience I've had in my life, which was a near death experience. Uh, I, long story short, but I swam into a, Portu- uh, a pile of Portuguese man of war about 17 oh! years ago in Cabo San Lucas, and they wrapped all around me. Uh, there was about 10 of them. I went into anaphylactic shock. Oh, God. Yeah, I went down the tunnel. I had the life review. I saw the white light, and I, and I came back. And when I came back, I, I was, my brain was trying to make sense of what had happened. And at the time, my kids were in, like, first grade and preschool, so they were little. So I came back, and I was like, oh, my God, they almost lost their mother. Like, there was a lot going on. 
But I, I was actually really depressed when I came back. Mm-hmm. And people looked at me crazy. They're like, you, you're alive. How could you be depressed? Mm-hmm. And I, it took me a long time. It actually took me till the last couple of years to unpack what I was feeling. But the fact that people were dismissing me saying, but you're alive. How could you be depressed? You're here. And what I wanted to say was, that was such a traumatic experience. My human brain doesn't even begin to know how to process it. And I just need time and I need acknowledgement and I need people to understand that I need to go into healing. But instead, everybody around dismissed it. And, and, and then you start thinking you're crazy because you're like, of course, I'm alive. How could anything be more? How could you be more grateful than that? Mm-hmm. So I even think in how you're talking is that we as women need to also honor when we our friends or our family are going into those dark moments and realize that that is necessary for their healing. Mm-hmm. Would you agree yeah, on that? Uh, how, so why were you depressed, if you don't mind unpacking oh, that a little? Yeah, no, it's really interesting story. In fact, it's so funny because I was just talking to my assistant about this and I was saying that um, uh, I came back a different person. In what sense? Uh, yeah, I came back um, a person that was scared that anything could go wrong at any oh. moment. Because I was just swimming in the water, snorkeling, and swam into a pile of Portuguese man-of-war and my brain translated that into if you are not prepared, if you are not careful, if you don't overthink every single situation, you could die. And so I came home a hyperactive, over, you know, overly hypervigilant brain trying to make sure that no crises ever happened. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that for 17 years. Oh. And in the last two, last year, this last year specifically, I've worked on that through therapy and breath work and psychedelics, a lot of different ways mm-hmm. of just unpacking that because it, it, it was, and people around me were like, literally like pat me on the back and be like, you're alive, you're good, you're good. And I felt so marginalized. Now imagine something like that happens when you're like six years old. Your entire life, you live with uh, this, with that idea. Yes, yes. You sound like you're speaking from experience. Oh no, I, I was just, I not, no, not uh, really. I was just thinking about how you know, if like just any trauma that you experience yeah. when you're younger. Yeah. Um, I just think if you don't address it, and you know, um, you don't want to. Cry, oh, you don't want to cry like a baby. Right. You know, um, actually, in fact, as you were saying, I was like, what? If you think I'm speaking from experience, I was like, what's my subconscious trying to tell me? Oh. Um, and so the first thing actually that came to mind, in fact, here we go, is it's funny how you pull things out, you don't realize you're talking. Um, when I was four years old, I got salmonella poisoning mm. and they didn't know what it was back then. Mm. And so they rushed me to hospital and I was put in this um, glass cubicle at the age of four. And the only thing that was allowed in quarantine and the only thing that was allowed was a metal bed. Wow. Because they didn't know anything. So I remember very vividly this glass room with this metal bed. And next to me, because it was glass, was a boy. And he was probably 10 years old. Mm. And he was in, and we could see each other from the glass. And they're trying to feed me medicine. And I remember crying and the nurse telling me, don't cry. Look at that boy. He's being a good boy. Ooh, yeah. Now, what's that teaching me? Yeah, that you're you're not worthy of crying. Yeah, your that, emotions are yeah, worthy. Yeah, that if I'm in pain, you yeah. can't cry. Right. Right. 
So now at the age of six, I learn that and then I lead that into my child, uh, into my adulthood. And then, you you know, if you don't address those things. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I, where I take that thought is one of the things I've been saying is uh, around women over 40 is as our brains are changing and adapting to the neurochemical mm-hmm. loss that we're experiencing, we walk into our doctor's office and the doctor says, oh, you're depressed. Here's an antidepressant. Oh. And to me, just that physical act, even if it is done with good intentions, that physical act is saying, I have something that will will shut you up, basically. Mm-hmm. I have a, a pill that's going to make it all go away. But if you actually crawl inside the body, what the body is saying is there's something here to be healed. There's a neurochemical change that's going on inside of you. Let's get curious about it. We talked about that word curious yesterday. Like, how do we get curious about what's going on so we can get to the root cause and fix it? But every time we're given a pill, we're given, it's really basically like a muzzle to shut us up Mm. and to not feel. Yeah. That curious thing, I, I absolutely love. And I think that that can come to so much of our growth and our health, you know, fixing our, fixing our health. Um, and I think it was me being curious with my own gut health mm-hmm. because I was looking at doctors to fix me. I was literally going to doctor to your point. I was like, I was saying, give me a pill. Yeah. Like, what can I take to fix yeah. me? And I was going to all these different types of doctors and nothing was fixing me. Yeah. And so my curiosity told me, okay, Lisa, you're looking at, how can, how can you try and fix yourself? You're looking yes. outside of yourself. You're looking at all these doctors trying to fix. But what are you actually doing? You're giving your power away. You're waiting for That's someone right. else to fix you. Yes. So how can I actually fix myself? Yeah. Oh, number one, listen to my body. Yes. I wasn't even listening. Yes. I was just li- listening to the doctors and not to my, to my own you know, body and what it was trying to scream at me. Yeah. And so being curious, wondering that, how do you, you know, what would that look like? And it's like, oh, listening to my body would mean taking an inventory. So I literally t- took out a food diary. And for, I don't know how long, maybe I think it was like three months, I wrote down every single thing I ate what time I ate, what my bowel movement was, if I had a bowel movement that day, how I slept, how I felt. And I just started taking, to your point, the curiosity of like, what is this teaching me? And I started to see a pattern in that curiosity, in that pattern that I was taking inventory of how I was feeling every day. And I realized every time we had to shoot, I would have massive stomach cramps. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, maybe anxiety. All right, what happens if you eat after the shoe and not before the shoe? And so now my curiosity gave me an action plan to then take ownership over my health. And then what I realized was, oh, I, and I talk about this in my book, it's all my fault. And I say that in the most compassionate way right. possible. People can use the word, um, you know, responsibility, but I like the word fault. Now, when I said it's my fault, I mean... How did I actually get here in the first place? Mm, How did I have such bad stomach issues? And instead of looking outwards, what did I do? What were the actions that I took? So the doctors were giving me antibiotics. I, so first of all, sorry, I should say, first of all, growing up with a mother that was borderline anorexic, mm. I thought I need to eat as little as possible. Mm. So I wasn't having fat. I wasn't having carbs. Okay, that was then triggering me getting sick because 70% of the, your immune system's carried in your gut. Right. So yeah. I was getting sick. I was going to doctors. Doctors were giving me antibiotics. When they were giving me antibiotics, one, one time the doctor was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't give you this many. Not once did I ask why. I didn't go do my own research. I just went, oh, okay. 
If he keeps giving it to me, I'm going to keep taking it. Yeah. I didn't take the ownership. I didn't ask Google, what does antibiotics right, do right. to your gut? Yeah. I, um, I didn't ask, what does reducing your calories do to you? And finally, the doctor didn't force the pill down my throat. Right. I decided to take it myself. Right. Now, once I flipped it and I said it was all my fault, that word fault triggered me enough to take action. That yep. action triggered me to take inventory. That inventory made me realize it was my behavior with food. It was my relationship to food. And then, and then my behavior to the gym, working out, weighing myself. Yeah. And all of that, curios- starting from the curiosity and addressing that it was my responsibility allowed me to then finally heal myself. Mic drop. And what I hear in that is how do you feel about yourself for taking yourself through that process? Yes, I feel freaking amazing. I now have confidence in my health that I didn't have before. So if you had just taken the pill, what most people do is take the pill, they're like, pray, okay, hopefully the pill's gonna work. And then the pill doesn't work, they go back and they're like, that didn't work, give me another pill. And they keep doing that over and over again. But what I just heard and what you said is when you take ownership, I love it's, it, it, you know, the fault idea because when it's your fault, you can actually now actually do something about it. And everything you went through, now when you're well, you're like, I did this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, only you can do it. Yeah. You get, nobody gets credit for that. Mm-hmm. And someone listening to this right now, should be proud of themselves for being brave enough to click on a video or an audio to then listen to it, to then try and learn from it, to then take action. So it becomes these small, little, incremental steps that then build your confidence, right? Step one, they listen to this interview. That's freaking amazing. Before you do anything else, give yourself a damn pat on the back that you said you wanted to take your health seriously, you wanted to build your confidence, and here you are. Yeah. Then what are you going to do next? And then that stepping stone, that stepping stone becomes literally the building blocks that end up building your house. So good. So good. Again, what are we like now? Like three, four hours (laughs) chatting with each other. And I'm like, I have so much more I want to say. So before I ask you my final question, where do people find you? I, I, by the way, I know where I like to consume you. That's what I'm going to call it. I like to consume you on Instagram. It's, it's you know why I like to consume you on Instagram is because when you're just kind of go, go scrolling through and then boom, there's Lisa with some bold statement. <laughs> and so many times I see that bold statement. I'm like, that is so right. I need that today. Mm. You're so good at those bold statements to turn the thought. But anyways, where do people they can find go you? to Instagram yeah. at Lisa Billu. Um, and then even on my Instagram and my YouTube channel, um, I really do focus on every time I post. Does it help someone build their confidence? And so I have a mantra in my head. Post uh, one post, uh, what mantra? And I've forgotten mantra. Um, one post, building your confidence one step at a time. And then my YouTube is build your confidence one badass guest at a time. Ugh, and so amazing. everything I'm very intentional. Again, going back to the fact that I can get distracted, I can, you know, run away with my emotions. And so I very much am very conscious of how I build that confidence one Mm. day. And then who do I, you know, put in front, like interviewing you for my show was empowering to me. Mm -hmm. And so I want to show up in building my own confidence day by day. And then how do I allow that as a pebble in the ocean that creates the ripples that eventually creates the tsunami? Ah, so good. Okay, last question. This is what I ask everybody is what's your superpower? Ah, I think it is the ability to get back up every time I fall. Oh, do you have a word? Is that resilience? What will we call that? Bad arsery. <laughs> 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 oh, 
on now, girl. You know, I've got to come up with something like that. That was good. It's badassery. And I think everybody needs badassery. Every woman, for sure. Yeah. So. I think everyone needs to be their own superhero. Yeah. Stop. What I love to say is don't wait to be saved. Save yourself. Mm, I just love that. So good. Well, I, not only do I love you as a human, not only do I love talking to you, but I am so inspired by how you show up and, and, you. and your focus and your intention, not only for the world, but for yourself. Like, it's just we need more Lisas in the world. It's just it's been so fun to get to know you. So thank you so much Dude, for so everything. I freaking adore you. And I've got a bedroom made for you. So you're going to stay the yeah, night. Great. And we're just going to hang out for Excellent. more hours. Wait, let's have a slumber party. Slumber we party. Can come, I bet we could create something like really slumber cool. Slumber like a girl. Slumber like a girl. Oh, my God. That would be. If it was my. Well, you go to bed at nine. My slumber party looks about the same. It's like, okay. woo, we might be like eating something great at eight. And then we're done at nine. That's what slumber. Oh, no, I finish at six I have to eat my, eat my last oh, minute at six. Go. Okay, there we go. There we go. Oh my God, so good. Appreciate you. You too, girl. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.